Welcome to the Razan Worship Songwriting Podcast, Episode 20. I'm Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from EngageWorship.org. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, Blessed Be Your Name, reviewing the July and August challenges, setting a new challenge for September, exploring how to write liturgy songs in the workshop, and responding to your tweets, posts, and emails. It's episode 20, Sam. We've made it to no 20. No way. Yeah. Do you know, if, if we were in America, we would call this season two. We would. Of the podcast. Because if you get like around a year and then you take a little break. Yeah. Yeah. So this is season two. And we would start with previously on the Resound Worship Songwriting <laughs> Podcast. And we just Not have loads of little snippets of, of stuff that's happened in the last Highlights. year. Maybe, we, maybe we'll put that out there if anybody wants to put that together for us. And send yeah, it it's going to be a very short package, the highlights <laughs> what the package. Highlights? So we're in season two, episode two slash colon one or 20. Uh, <laughs> Sam, what have you been up to in the la- Well, hang on a minute. We haven't actually, um, you and I have not been podcasting together since the beginning of June. That's true. It's felt like ages. I mean, basically, yeah. we've had quite a bit of summer holiday and then we've moved back from Sweden to England. So I'm back in Luton Woohoo. in my wonderful little house uh, with my family and we're trying to get back into life here. It's been a bit uh, of a kerfuffle kind of, well, we've still got a lot of unpacking to do and all of that. Uh, but I'm also uh, excited because I'm, for the first time, going full-time for Engage Worship. Brilliant. Uh, I've always been kind of two days a week, and uh, but now I'm full-time for Engage. So anything else I do, like teaching at LST, uh, is all kind of under under that hat. And doing this is under that hat as well. So, um, yeah, it's good. That's good. So, And Engage is, is part of the Music and Worship Foundation, isn't it? So it's, a, you're, it's yeah. a kind of it's a charity that supports you and that you, yeah. you work for. Yeah. So, so we do resources, um, primarily put out through the website. We um writing a few books at the moment, um, and we put out um, there's a thing called Area 52, where we do stuff for the, the lectionary, do um, materials based on the Bible, readings, um, and then we do kind of training and events as well. So if people want us to come to their church, do a training day or a Sunday service or a weekend, we can we can do all those things. Cool. Um, so since you've moved from Sweden back to the UK, can I ask you two questions? Yes. One is, what is one thing that you miss about Sweden? What is one thing you're so glad to be back in the UK for? Oh, um, I probably miss the countryside because we lived on a farm. Yeah. And now I'm in Luton. And Luton is, you know, beautiful. Um, they call it the English Sweden. <laughs> but um yeah it's in a different way um so i miss i miss the nature um what am i glad about oh so many things um i'm glad about uh probably going to the pub yes really have pubs in the same way in sweden I had exactly the same experience when we came back from Peru. Those yeah. years ago. The main thing I wanted to do was go to the pub. Yeah. And it, just because it's a it's it's a cultural thing in this country that I don't think really exists in the same way in other countries. No, no. Certainly not. I think, you know, maybe a bit more in Germany and places around yeah. this kind of latitude, but um 
yeah, it's just completely different in Sweden. Is a is a very different kind of. Uh, Christians often don't drink. Yeah. Uh, in Sweden, so it's. Um, yeah, it's different drinking culture, really. Well, I'm glad to hear that your your longing is now being satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's think. So all the way back into June, where well, it's been... Obviously, we've had the uh, uh, Worship Songwriting Retreat since um, we last recorded. And um, one or two of the songs... So we, we did a sort of, uh, amongst the various things, we did a session where we just got the guys there to join in and sing a load of group vocals for a few of our recordings so that's cool i I like Mm. putting songs out that have the sound of a group singing them yeah more than just sound like they're recorded in the studio or you know in real life someone's bedroom yeah Um, i really like the ones we've put out recently and also like listening to the the podcast you did live at the at the retreat cool uh, and hanging hearing the lap the live singing from that was great oh man it was amazing it's not you get together a group of songwriters yeah. in a room and they can't resist putting it into kind of 19 part harmony <laughs> just you're just using every note all the time but it sounds yeah. great it was really nice um a lot of what i've been doing actually in the last couple of months is is getting ready for our um our 50th anniversary celebration mm. um which we're doing 15th of october in all souls langham place and we're doing that that's with us and jubilate which is our kind of parent or sister company um celebrating you have to decide parent or sister i know it can't be the same. i don't say sister it used to be parent but i feel like we've gr- we've matured and we weird can, we can be biology going now. on there i know <laughs> familial relationships um it's an amazing story sam i mean i know you you know a bit about it but it, yeah for those listening quite what happened yeah, 50 years ago youth praise quite what happened with um Michael Bourne. So he's this guy who was a curate in Nottingham and mm. he had a youth group of a couple of hundred people, which seems to be, you know, that's what youth groups were like in the in the 60s. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, there's this kind of explosion in teenage culture going on, the radio, yeah. the Beatles, all this kind of stuff happening. Um, and they're there in their churches thinking, how do we respond to this? And, and certainly how can we sing something that's relevant to these guys? And nobody... Uh, to that point, I guess because youth as a concept wasn't really there, had had done anything about that. So Michael started writing some songs or and and one or two other guys in other churches. And eventually they got together and said, look, we've got enough here for a, a hymn. You know, they called it a hymn book for young yeah. people. And Michael says that he then toured around all the different publishers to try and see if they'd publish it. And they all just said, no, hymn books, hymn books don't sell, which I thought was really wow. interesting, actually. So <laughs> you, know, you never sell. They're, just, they're always a local thing. They always used to be. Right. Um, and so he went around all of them, and they just said, no, it won't work. And eventually, um, Timothy Dudley Smith, the yeah. Timothy Dudley Smith, Bishop. who was working at CPAS at the time, um, he said, okay, we'll publish it. We'll do 5,000 copies, but you've got to go around. You and your friends have got to just travel around churches and try and sell them. Wow. So they get got these songs together. They wrote a load of stuff. And it's sort of... It, it's in the vernacular of the more contemporary music, even though we might look back on it as less contemporary. It, you know, it still feels quite hymny, I guess. Um, yeah. They printed these 5,000 copies. They decided to launch it in Westminster Central Hall in London. Absolutely packed the place out. Cliff Richard came. That's how. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. That was amazing. Um, and they sold all of them on the first night. And they wow. went on to sell a million copies. Crazy. And it's because nobody had done it. Nobody was yeah. doing. It. Nobody was writing new songs for a new generation. And so now we've got, you know, we've got songs all over the world, all over the country. We write stuff. We've got Kingsway and all these kind of, you know, integrity and publishing houses and all this stuff. 
actually back then 1966 when they did it nobody had done it and they they completely broke new ground and that's the tradition that we stand in yeah and it's i mean i've um, read um some of the books by pete ward and he talks about he compares youth praise with some of the the books that came after um if you read something like his book selling worship Mm. and he talks about how amazing the theology is in youth praise like you know, it's, it's, he says you could get the whole gospel out of youth praise um, th- from the lyrics that, that are there. So, you know, I think, although, like, like you say, the music might sound a bit dated to us, I think that the, the heart behind it and the approach behind it really kind of stands up um, to yeah. the sort of scrutiny of history. That's a pretty good um, affirmation that you get the whole gospel from that. Yeah, we, I mean, we'd love to see that, I guess, with Rizam. We'd love to see that with, with lots of things, wouldn't we? That yeah, absolutely. We don't just have this kind of narrow focus on a on a single thing, but a real breadth, uh, a depth of content yeah. to it. So we're going to celebrate that on the fifteenth, and we are inviting everybody. So where's that, Joel? So All Souls Langham Place in London, fifteenth October, eight pounds um, or ten pounds if you buy a ticket later. Um, and we're going to have Noel Tradinic, the renowned um, conductor, composer, arranger, yeah. is going to be pulling together a mini orchestra. You're my, the, the great Sam Hargreaves is going to be leading a band. We're going to be singing songs old and new. We're going to be telling stories, teaching new songs, um, exploring some of what makes Jubilate and Razan tick. We're going to be thinking about the future of worship and we're going to be launching our new charity. <gasps> and our new What's that, Joel? Well, the application is in now. Oh, so wow. the application for shh, don't tell anyone for the um oh I've forgotten for the <laughs> song for the song and hymn writers foundation, uh-huh. and this is all about how we with Resound and Jubilate are kind of transforming ourselves because to do the kind of thing we do with the podcast to get out there more and more and work with grassroots songwriters right up to you know through the whole spectrum through to the published writers. To be the people who say, we think that song and hymn writing is worth investing in. We could see a real wave of quality and depth and richness and singability and all those things that we cherish and value. Um, mm. And we're setting up this this foundation in order to make that happen. Um, so, And we'll, wow. we'll tell you loads more about that as and when it happens. Um, and we will also, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll ask for your support as well, because mm. I think... We want to do this charitable work, but if there are people out there who care about this yeah. like that we do, then we'd love to kind of partner with you in various ways. That's exciting. Yeah. Shall we move on to some correspondence? Yeah. Do you just want to say about the songs you put out over the summer? Because um, there's been quite a few really good ones, hey? Yeah. Let's say about those. Okay. We have actually. We've had a few. So they were almost all actually with some kind of um, live recording. Um, I've actually slightly forgotten what they were let's just say so we we recorded um listen to the words peace be with you which was one which i played it on a um yeah on a podcast great song joel um and it's just yeah i I like it it's it's a niche song isn't it well i put a a little um facebook and tweety thing out the other day um saying if people were feeling nervous about the beginning of term or had congregations who were kind of nervous about the you know the new school term yeah um sort of you know, I, I I tend to think in terms. So even if it's going back to work you know, after the summer, oh gosh, you know, things coming up and worries and stuff. And I said, you know, listen to this song or play this song at church because it's a great one for reminding yourself that you know Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that He's speaking yeah. you know, peace over us. Cool. Oh, that's good. And we also had two songs: "You Who Fear the Lord" and "Bright Morning Star" from the Resound London Collective, as we call them, um, mm. Joe and Judy and Carrie and Geraldine. 
Uh, and that's lovely. They've got such a, they've got a different flavour. They've written, I mean, they talked about it on the previous podcast, but they've written very collaboratively. Um, and there's a kind of, I don't, there's a sort of, a, there's a kind of emotion in those that I, yeah. that I think is really rich. And it's lovely. We've got one of them recorded with the Big Sing Choir and one of them recorded with the Worship Songwriting Retreatees, Retreaters. Uh, a couple of really strong songs, again, I think. And they cover some ground and some material that is... Um, it's not just your average, but it's it's got something to say. And I think that's what yeah. we want to put out. I think they're I think they're great songs. They're they're, they're a bit different, aren't they? They're a bit um, yeah. Just, I think the, the bring the approach that Geraldine and Kerry bring, but also the the fact that they are team written very much. Yeah, I think make, makes those two songs feel very different to some of the others. Okay, let's uh, read our correspondence. We've got a Facebook message from Greg, and um, Greg says, "Do you think songwriters need to read more poetry, and if so, whom do you recommend?" And I would like to start by commending him on his use of the word "whom," which is one of my bugbears. <laughs> now, you, do you think? Do you think that suggests that he probably does read poetry? Possibly, or at least re- reads English. I don't know. Um, so yeah. that's that's my contribution. Well, Sam, what do you think? I yeah I'd I'd like to know what what he thinks um if Greg's got any recommendations but I um I do read a bit of poetry I've got quite a few books on my shelf uh, and I do pick them up and and try and flick through I I think I can probably confess to being a little bit intimidated by um poetry I think despite the fact that we all learn about it at school I think a lot of us don't come out really equipped to to really understand how poetry works yeah um, but a few good ways that uh, that I've um, used. One is a, a Christian book called Spoken Worship by Gerard Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and he, Gerard, is a, a wonderful teacher um, and writer, and he uses a lot of poetry in services and, and worship. So he's written this book, Spoken Worship, which is basically um, poet poems for for worship. Uh, and it's got little introductory chapters which encourage you on how you might use the stuff or how you might write your own. Um, but just his use of language and rhythm is so rich. And I guess that answer, you know, w- would be my answer to, to Greg's question. Yes, do read poetry because it, it opens you up to how language can be used in a... not. We tend to use language in quite a flat way, you know, I love you, you died for me, but... Yeah. Poetry opens us up to the richness of language and how language can be used in other ways that aren't just in that kind of prosaic form. Uh, they can, you know, be uh, metaphorical or they can use alliteration or they can use rhyme. So I think that's that's a real strength of poetry. And the other book that I found helpful is uh, Stephen Fry wrote a book called An Ode Less Travelled. Yeah. A little pun. Um, on uh, which is basically explaining how poetry works. So if you're a little bit like me and you're a bit intimidated by some of the more sort of formal types of poetry, um, that's a really good book because he, in a in a very understandable way, kind of unpacks how how poetry works. So uh, people might want to check those out. Yeah, cool. I I was at a songwriters gathering a couple of years ago, and a guy called Peter Neverland came and did oh, some sessions. Yeah. He's good. And, He's fantastic. Um, yeah, we should try and interview him. Yeah. In fact, if anybody yeah. listening knows Peter, can you? I met him at Spring Harvest. Cool, uh, Sam. If you're listening and you know Peter, <laughs> could you drop him a line? I I'll think, tweet you. Uh, I think that'd be good because he's a you know he's kind he'd of spoken be... word artist, isn't he? But he's a, he's yeah. a poet. 
yeah. American guy. He's absolutely. If you ever seen him do it, I mean, you've seen him do it live. He's totally full of energy. He's he like, does funky white man. Crazy. Isn't he? Yeah, is, yeah. Is his yeah. persona. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should definitely interview him. Let's move on to dissect a classic. Dissect a classic. This month we're going to talk about "Blessed Be Your Name" by Matt and Beth Redman. Yeah, definitely a classic, sung all over the world. Um, I guess we've been singing it for a good sort of fifteen years or so. Um, and uh, I looked it up, as I always do. Um, and Matt writes about it actually a bit in one of his books and talks about how essentially it, it just after the the nine um, eleven attacks. Uh, in New York um, and the Pentagon, um, Matt and Beth were going off to California on a kind of sabbatical. Um, and they arrived shortly after that, and there was a real kind of you know everyone was a bit dazed, and there was a, a there's a kind of lament around, I guess. And and he he writes that they sort of travelled around quite a few churches in that time, and they found that the preachers did a pretty good job of addressing the difficult mm. questions, mm. but the songwriters and poets had nothing to say. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, that's really challenging. And so, it was in that climate that they wrote "Blessed Be Your Name." And he says that actually, people always ask, you know, was there a specific event that um, inspired it? He says, no, it wasn't. It was more about just recognizing the reality of that in life and needing to have to have a song um, that talks about it. Um, having said that, they, as a couple uh, or as individuals, they've been through quite a lot of hard times, haven't they? Yeah, I they wrote a little... and I think that was the thing. So they were saying it is, it is inspired by their own experience of life, but it's not, you know, it wasn't a thing that happened. They thought, right, we need yeah. to write, we need to write you, this. You kind of feel with them that it comes, it comes from a place of authenticity that they have genuinely struggled. Yeah, you know, with with quite a lot of you know family tragedy and things like that, and and that I think that somehow that comes through in the sort of pastoral yeah. approach of it, and it means. It means they know what needs to be said, I guess, don't they? Sometimes yeah. if you haven't experienced something, you, you do your best to say what you think needs to be said. But when you've been through things, you know what you needed to say at the time, and even if yeah. you didn't have it available. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at it. Let's see um, why we think it works. It's definitely a classic. I'm going to kick it off. Um, and I picked out two things that I think make it really strong. The first is it has this um, classic songwriter's chord progression. It's the one, five, six, four. So um, let's say it's in the key of, um, it's often in the key of B, a. isn't it? Let's put it in A, key of A. So the one is A, give us an A. And then we've got an E, which is the five. And then we've got an F sharp minor, which is the six. And then we've got a four, which is the D. Just play that again. Now you can kind of sing loads of songs over this and it's not because people are not creative necessarily it's just it's one of these chord progressions it's got a momentum to it it's a yeah. it's a rock progression um it's you know you think about it, it's a u2 progression it just ticks along it drives forward you can you know sing with it, or without you with or without you you can sing over the top of it uh, and loads of stuff but actually that's part of the strength of it and it doesn't really there's a bit where it slightly varies it but by and large it just carries the same progression through the whole song which is actually unusual um yeah. but it's very effective and what it does is it just kind of lifts the 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 kind of the pitch of the melody in the different sections in order to mm. differentiate them um but it just keeps on it just yeah, it just keeps on chugging along, doesn't it? So that's one of the things. It's worth having to go with that, you know, as, as a I think progression. As a band as well, it, it does require you to to change the texture as you go through. Yeah. So if you, if you blast in from bar one, full on, you know, everything up to 11, um, 
and keep that kind of texture and that kind of dynamic at the beginning. So something I often use with bands if we're doing um, band workshops and say, right, how can we get a sense of journey? So maybe this one of the things this song did is it helped bands learn how to yeah. to journey from, okay, this is quiet. Okay, midsection, what are we going to do? Maybe yeah. change up the rhythm and then maybe a straight ahead in the in the first chorus or maybe, you, you know, and then you, you've got to ramp up, ramp up, ramp up to yeah, the... Yeah to the bridge so it's, it's asking something of the musicians i think that's really helpful yeah absolutely um and then my other thing i'm going to pull out is the the content of it obviously is that it's you know it deals with um issues of suffering which these days there are really quite a lot of songs i think yeah. that do i even wonder if there are becoming too many but we can save that for another maybe that's a conversation for another day <laughs> uh, i don't think yeah um but what it does is it the actual song, if you say, what's the song about? It's actually about blessed be the name of God. And yeah. that's the refrain. And that comes up yeah. again and again and again. And that's the powerful line that you sing out, you know, and so on. Even though it's it's talking about the struggles and difficulties in life, mm. that's where it's focused. And I think that gives it a strength which sometimes other songs don't necessarily have. It, it's unashamed in its yeah. blessed be your name. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, it was a kind of breakthrough song. It's not that people hadn't written songs of lament or songs of struggle before, but I think people f didn't um, necessarily find it that easy to include it in a mainstream worship time, in a mainstream kind of ch contemporary church. And I think this song broke through there, uh, partly because of that blessed be your name and that God focus, but also I think because of that word when. So yeah. it's when I'm found in the wilderness. When um, So rather than a song that says... God, I'm so broken, I'm so down, yeah. I'm so da-da-da, you know, it actually sa um, it says when. And it does it in a poetic way as well. You know, we were talking about yeah. poetry. It's not, you know, when the tire's gone on my car or when <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, when I walk through the wilderness, yeah. when I'm found in the desert place on the road marked with suffering. So those are all metaphors and imagery yeah. that people can grab and they can go, oh, yeah, that that applies to me. We, we actually... Um, have a little liturgy on um, on the Engage Worship website um, where we put up four of the images visually. Yeah. So have a like um, you know uh, on a road marked with suffering, we have like a broken path, and then we have you know when I'm found in the wilderness, and we have a desert, and we have you know on um, what's one of the nice ones uh, when the sun's shining down, I and mean, we have yeah. a road with with sun shining, and we get people to look at it and think, well, which of these am I coming to worship today, uh, experiencing? So I think. You know, the fact that the song evokes that in your mind is a really uh, is a really strong you know way of uh, approaching that kind of issues of brokenness and struggle. Uh, uh, I think that's a helpful tip for lots of songs. I think we often say this, don't we? If you're talking, if it's emotion or experience that you're describing in a song, it's often good to use the when because when allows yeah. your experience to be current so you're singing about now but it also allows for the past and for the future and just yeah. recognizes that's part of the reality of life whatever it might be the same it's the same like you know when in the in the positive things as well the when is almost as necessary as in the negative isn't it yeah it's, it's not forcing people in the congregation to think oh i've got to be this now yeah it's more okay and it's it's kind of preparing us for life outside of church as well it's yeah. It's saying there is going to be other times when we're not in this place, but we're going to, you know, still respond to God worshipfully. Yeah. Let's just have a think about, um, again, if Matt and Beth had brought it to us, how would we have ruined it? Well, we've said, <laughs> I think that I, I, I've actually picked out two things here. Um, one is 
that rhythm at the end of the lines in the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, Blessed be your name. Diddly, 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 diddly. Sorry, it's longer than I thought. Diddly, Blessed be your name. Yeah. That's, it took me, I, this is, I'm being honest here, it took me about five years to get that. Um, and I tried several different versions with congregations because I couldn't quite work. I, I was very aware of, I need to land this in the right place so that they can get it. Mm. And should it be, um, do, 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 blessed be your name, or yeah. do, 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 blessed be your name, or and I, or a even variety of them. I've heard like put a, a beat, uh, like come on after the beat, so walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Hey, that's even more different. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe that's just the version we made up in our church. No, but so, but it's telling, um, what. Well, it's telling that it has not stopped the popularity of the song no. in, in any way, but I, I can only sort of imagine that the, you know, the producers and Matt and Beth got together, and for them, for whatever reason, it was just so natural and intuitive. Yeah, they just did it and thought, yeah, that's obvious. Mm. I maybe it's because I'm a musician. Maybe I find it more difficult. Maybe if you're not a musician, it's not. But that's a bit where I just think you could have just nailed it down somewhere. Yeah, uh, it could have worked a bit better. And the other question I have, and, I, and again, I sort of don't want to open a massive can of worms. It's about just language that we use in worship songs. It's just to ask, what does blessed be your name actually mean? <laughs> it's it's very churchy language, isn't it? And I think yeah. in some ways that's the strength of the song, because what he, he kind of says, I'm going to stay churchy and praisey, even though this is, you know, and that, that, yeah. that, that's quite, kind of a strength there. But at the same time... It's not language we use in any other context. Blessed, be, if I said that to someone, blessed be your name, Sam. What would you think I meant? And I suppose that when we sing it in church, I think, I think we basically mean you're brilliant. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the the, the sort yeah. of the thought that's going through our head as we sing those yeah. words. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a funny one. I mean, I, in some ways, I I don't mind it because I think part of worship's role is to teach almost a new vocabulary you know so we say we glorify god well i never say i glorify anybody else really yeah um and and so i i think it's okay but i do know what you mean yeah i probably wouldn't have changed it i think the repetition as well and it and and the, the context of it does help you to get get a sense of what this probably means even if it's not language we wouldn't normally yeah, use yeah yeah yeah, I th- yeah, I probably wouldn't change it either, but it's a it's a good question. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Would you? Well, there's there's a question, isn't there, about the end of uh, the song where it uses this phrase "you give and take away," and um, I think there's a few people, if you look online, who are kind of raising questions about that. Um, it's based on the Book of Job, isn't it? So uh, Job is this character in the Old Testament who has all these awful things happen to him. Um, and in the story, God kind of allows them to happen, but God doesn't cause them to happen. He allows the the devil to kind of afflict Job. Yeah. Uh, and Job's response is, "Well, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." And so that's the, it's really the, what the song is based on. Mm. Um, and what Matt's done, he's taken that phrase, "You give and take away. You give and take away." My heart will choose to say, "Lord, blessed be your name." And so, um that's really i think for him what the whole song is about god is sovereign god is in control 
Um, some things, you know, God gives, sometimes God takes away, but ultimately I'm going to keep praising God and I'm going to keep trusting God. Um, and so I, I totally get that. I think people's criticism comes because what it can imply is that when all bad things happen, it's always God's active choice. Yeah. And I guess here we're getting into some some fairly kind of contentious theological ground about uh, what does God allow um, uh, versus what does God actively cause um, and what is the what's the kind of nature of the sovereignty of God? Does the sovereignty of God mean that God causes all good and bad things to happen? And I, I probably wouldn't want to go that far. And I guess pastorally, the the issue that people would have is, so if you have a tragedy in your family, yeah. uh, if you have, you know, um, for example, someone passes away, um, is, the, is it that God has caused that? Um, or is it that, I think other people might want to say, well, hang on, we live in a fallen world where actually things don't all completely go the way that God would choose um, because the world is fallen and sin um, has come in. Uh, but then I guess there's a, I don't know, I'm probably getting myself into, into knots here, so you can probably sort me out, Joel. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do totally see the, I do see the difficulty with it. I actually think it's a very modern difficulty Right. I don't think in past generations they've had any trouble singing you give and take away or or yeah. having any idea that God, you know God is completely sovereign and can do what he wants. It's only yeah. in more recent times in largely in the west um that it's kind of post enlightenment thing I guess that we say well hang on a minute God can do what he wants but what if we say what God does is wrong. Um and then we've become more difficult and I think part of the difficulty is that we is imposing that kind of modern thinking on how god should operate um so I, in some ways i think it's a very modern dilemma but it doesn't mean it's not a real one and, and and the pastoral thing i kind of imagine if it i don't know i there's a solace in saying god's in control when 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 tragedies happen when disasters yeah. happen saying god's in control actually is not it's not saying, oh, God's punishing me or X, Y, but Z, but I can cling to nothing else than the fact that God is in control in these situations, even though I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, I also think our faith is full of tensions. And I think any attempts to try and say, no, God, never this or that, never and so on, is to sort of undo the tensions that are inherent in our faith. And actually, are they're not just... They're not just that they're important. They're a real feature of what it is for us to be human and for him to be divine and for us to connect and intersect because he's like his economy of choice is is completely different to us. Our understanding of how God chooses or how God allows. I just don't think we can we can limit by our own kind of sense of um, logic or human ability. And we've got to allow for that tension. Um, but what it does raise for me um, is that we do put theology into our songs. And I know in a sense that sounds obvious, but here's a situation where there's actually a bit of theology there where yeah. it could be a throwaway thought, but actually it's reinforcing a very specific idea about God's sovereignty. Yeah. Um, so Resound, one of the things we often say when we're assessing our songs is um, 
there are different views on theology of certain things and you know we have a you know we're broadly in a in a certain line of uh, of thinking but occasionally we might have have different stuff and we tend to say well be aware of your theology and be consistent and coherent with it even if it might occasionally mean um someone else isn't going to sing the song like in Christ alone the wrath of god was satisfied some people don't want to sing that um personally i don't see that as a problem line either but just be make sure your your theology is coherent and consistent in there um rather than accidentally putting in theology that you just haven't really thought about yeah and i mean i i read some some posts about this and someone was saying oh a guy in my church raised a raised a question about this uh, and a lot of the the responses were people saying, "Oh, don't worry about it. He's just being a pain in the backside." And you know, there's always one in every congregation, which is blah, kind blah. of what you often get in response to that kind of query, isn't it? And in a way, you yeah. want to get past those. I'm yeah, I'm not sure that's sure that's the most helpful, the most helpful response. I think it's worth saying, "Well, okay, explain to me, you know, properly what your issue is with this." I think often it's an issue of sort of implication. You know, mm. just that Matt Redmond song alone and that line alone. I don't think is going to lead people down the, you know, the, the path of thinking, okay, God caused this tragedy. But if you're in a church where that kind of implication is preached, then it might kind of, it, it might add to a sort of snowball effect of people thinking, oh, you know, every bad thing that happened to me is because God sends it. Yeah. Um, which to me is not biblical, you know, a, a good biblical theology at all. The, the other question quickly, Joel, is... Yeah. um. Is there a difference here between the Old and New Testament, do you think, with Job? Huh. Well, yes and no. I mean, I I think what's more important, I think, is understanding the genre of Job. Because uh-huh. so Job is a, is a wisdom book. So you've got these wisdom books in the Old Testament. And it's I think it's really important to understand that the wisdom books are quite different from, very different from the prophetic books where you're supposed to, you know, you've got the voice of God speaking. Um, they're different from the history books and the poetry books. And one of the things that wisdom is, is, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the ancient Hebrew wisdom is kind of an attempt to understand the world. And Proverbs sets it out in the, in the sense that wisdom is this thing that's kind of sewn into creation and is discoverable by humanity. And even to the extent that it can draw on um, different cultures, you know, the book of Proverbs even draws on stuff from different cultures and reinterprets them through the lens of the God that they know. Um, the book of Job is actually, I think most people think, is actually a critique of wisdom. It's it's uh-huh. a sort of development of their yeah. understanding where they say, essentially, here's the, the mini story is, there's this guy, uh, he's really perfect and wise, loads of bad stuff happens. He says, wow, what's happened? And God says, don't worry, I'm going to bless you with more. And that what it does is then it inserts a load of chapters which just have an extensive critique and discussion of that idea. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, I think Job is... A, is actually in there as a relatively naive character. He's supposed oh. to demonstrate a certain naivety about wisdom, which then is developed through the ensuing chapters. So at the end of, of chapter one, it's almost like that's towards the mini story. And then we intersect and we say, hang on a minute, that that's good. But what about while he sat there um, tearing his clothes and with you know ashes on his head, desperately crying out to God, why, 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 why have you done this? So there is a kind of naivety 
to the you give and you take away but at the same time it's a very real expression i think an understanding of god so i don't think it's a uh, i don't think it's an unbiblical expression but actually particularly with the book of job and certainly with other wisdom books you've got to be a little bit careful about how you just pick things out without understanding what they are and that in the bible there is a development in wisdom it's not just a static thing so maybe there's there's something here about um you know we're not writing this song off i certainly use it and will continue to use it but i would say it's probably not the last word in songs about suffering yeah um and maybe other songs need to be written which look at you know further passages from job or passages from the new testament and if we're gonna really engage with suffering properly through our songs and through our worship we're gonna need a broader view blessed your name is not going to be enough on its own yeah good answer good answer sam Thanks, buddy. That's all right. Uh, let's get 12 Song Challenging. 12 Song Challenge. So it's time to come clean. Uh, we've had a bit of a quiet summer and uh, we've set a couple of 12 Song Challenge challenges. And I've got to be honest, Sam, I have struggled uh, <laughs> in the midst of the sitting out in the garden drinking pina colada um to then caught in the rain get to to get much written so i've really completely failed on the last two challenges um but that doesn't mean that the rest of you have and so well i think our our listeners have been doing an amazing job i was looking they've written there's about 12 songs for the all age challenge uh and there's even a bunch of songs for the august one which is probably always going to be the biggest challenge to for people to do um so i was looking and uh there's the if people don't know the august challenge was to write a song on the theme of vocation and that was coming off the back of the interview that i did with bruce benedict um uh where he was um part of a contest to to people uh to write songs about vocation and god's attitude towards our work so Mm. there are some really good songs there um allison has written a teacher's prayer uh, which is just great I i love this kind of thing which is quite specific you know that's not going to be a song that's sung every week in every church but for a teacher to have a song that they can sing when they're kind of committing themselves yeah um it's kind of reminiscent of um the gettys uh stuart um it was a worker's prayer isn't it yeah the yeah, yeah that's right yeah the keith and Kristen getty uh wrote this worker's prayer and this is a similar kind of idea but it's very specifically about teachers so she's got uh, lines like called to teach and educate impart knowledge illustrate facts ideas truth and error open minds to hope to help and nurture jesus may i follow you source of knowledge and of truth patience guidance deep compassion show the path to understanding so mm. you know great you know thing for her to be able to use and hopefully others other teachers to be able to, yeah, to sing or really to listen is. to as they engage you know go to their work and engage with that vocation and there's also this one by Alan. Um, he's called it Full Time for Jesus. And it's got a real kind of fun, all-age feel to it. Mm. Um, whatever God calls me to do, do it all for the glory of Jesus. Whoever I meet in the day, may they be as Christ to me. In the office block or the corner shop, full time for Jesus. On a building site, working day and night, full time for Jesus. So it just really lays out there, you know, that um, the congregation wants to be committing themselves uh wherever they are that they're going to be full-time in in god's work and it's it's certainly a a really good fun one i can see it being used in an all-age context so i'm excited that people have been picking up on these challenges even if we've struggled to yeah but you have written something haven't you sam you you, have yeah for the um for the vocation challenge 
Do you want to tell us about it and share it with us? Yes. Well, people probably uh, may have picked up that this is something that um, I'm really passionate about. My wife and I are writing this book called Whole Life Worship. Uh, and the themes are to do with the fact that we, we should be worshipping God with the whole of our lives, uh, through our work, through our leisure, and our home life, and everything we do can be an offering of worship to God. But also that Sunday worship ought, ought to impart part of the role of a sort of Sunday gathering should be to prepare us for life outside. So rather than let's come into church and escape the world, uh, it's more a case of let's come and hear God's heart for the world and let's be re- um, reminded of what he wants for us and what he's calling us to do. Uh, and as I've been thinking about that, um, I used to have this thing where I'd say to people, don't write the whole of kind of salvation history. Don't write Genesis to Revelation in a song because hmm. uh, it will just get too long. I can sense what's coming here. Yeah, well, this song <laughs> is basically Genesis to Revelation. Um, and I guess the reason, it, I mean, I still probably wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I did feel that one of the things we're missing in church worship is a sense of the big story mm. and god's big intentions for what why we do so if you only think oh well you know we we messed up and god wants to save my soul and take me to heaven then that is going to change how you live that's going to affect how you live whereas if you've got this picture that actually god created the world the whole of you know heaven and earth the seen and unseen and he has a plan for the physical stuff of creation as well as how we interact with that Um, then that's going to cause you to live differently. So what I tried to do in this song is to bring in that sense of the big story and what God was intending and the fact that uh, he he gave us a a call right at the beginning in Genesis to work the garden, to be creative, to bring glory to him through what we do in the world and that we failed. uh, But then finally that, you know, God is um, preparing a, a city where earth meets heaven and um, the fact that we can work now anticipating the fact that God is going to make all things new and he's going to uh, you know be perfecting and and recreating heaven and earth so that's kind of where I'm going with this song well what well, shall we um can we have a listen to it yes God. 
Nice job, Sam. Thank you. Oh, I love thanks. that we heard all um, four verses as well, because uh, you need to hear that flow through it, don't you? I should probably come clean that uh, it's not the first time I've heard it, because we've actually been working on it together over the last couple of months, along with a few other songs, haven't we? Yeah, and, you've, you've done some great input on that, Joel. Uh, well, thank all you. All the good I, bits are you. I think so, yeah. Should we just leave it to that? <laughs> <laughs> and I think because um, uh, the things I liked when you first brought it, I thought it had a really singable simple melody uh it's got that classic aaba structure which makes it very approachable it's got a sort of a hymn kind of slightly celtic hymn form to it i like the flow of the idea of the garden and actually the garden brings in this idea of the work and the role and the calling and those things the vocation Mm. um 
and extends it then through the story and also brings in Jesus calling and mission and so on. And so the way those things come together, using the garden motif, but actually having having that that full breadth um, across the story, I think is really strong. Um, well, thank you. I've yeah, this has been interesting for me to... I mean, I, I haven't written that many what I would call kind of modern hymns, uh, and it does take on quite a lot of themes and stuff, but I, there's a lot of repetition in there mm. of ideas. So trees, tree of life, we ate from the tree, Jesus chose the tree of our condemnation, uh, and the stream as well. So just trying to, you know, really kind of um, have these threads that go through it that link all the verses. Yeah. But so it basically means I I don't have much to critique because I've already given you all my critique and you've amended it accordingly. <laughs> so I think we're just going to leave that with you. We're going to say um, 10 points to Sam for completing the August challenge. And um, let's move on to September. 12 it's time to set the challenge. Um, and our challenge for September is going to be uh, liturgy songs. And that is songs that are either inspired by or directly setting um, written liturgy, prayers, service structure, things like the Anglican liturgy would be an obvious one and the various prayers that go throughout it. Um, I've actually started undertaking something like this with Matt Osgood. We got together um, a couple of weeks ago and decided to set ourselves the whole Anglican communion service to to go through it and and work on. Um, And also we were inspired by listening to Bruce Benedict, um, in his interview about how they are working with liturgical forms and sometimes very ancient prayers that they're setting. Yeah. And also I just, I had one of those days yesterday, Sam, where I was planning for uh, worship at the evening service and I was just struggling, struggling, struggling to find an opening song. We had a yeah. particular um, Bible reading we were going to have and then we we're going to move out of that. And could I, I just, I reached the point where I was actually shouting um, in my, I was in the house on my own. <laughs> and I was just kind of, I was shouting, Lord, I need a song. And I've got, you know, 15 minutes before Were you shouting, Lord, why go. aren't the worship songwriters in this country any good? I was lamenting the, I was lamenting the lack of, um, or my own knowledge, probably, of songs that fit a certain liturgical function. And there's an example <laughs> just of, I wanted something which was an opening to worship. And, you know, there, there are prayers like that. A Lord, open our lips, our mouth shall declare your praise and so on, which are commonly used in more liturgical yeah. settings. Um, and a great entry in. And I just wanted something that said something like that. Um, so that's a kind of a bit of a background to it. Um, what we're going to do is move into the into the workshop session. Um, Sam, you're going to give us a bit more input yeah i've i've got some material here that um geraldine and i have have used in in teaching some of this before and people might have heard a little bit of this uh if they were at the songwriting retreat because i believe um geraldine used some of it there but i think it's it's worth reiterating even if you were there um i guess one of the places i would start is that it seems to me a lot of contemporary worship songs are either about praising god or they're about adoring god um, you get this phrase praise and worship time um, where people mean we either sing an up-tempo song or we sing a quiet song of kind of loving and adoring God and that's you know totally legitimate and totally um, fantastic but there are lots of other things that we can be doing when we worship God and one of the value um, values of liturgy is it says here are some of the things we can be doing when we meet with God um, and so we, we can have this kind of journey of worship 
where yes we praise god but we also pray for the world or we also confess our sin or we also you know gather well or we're sent well mm. and so these uh, excuse me so these, some of these great prayers uh remind us of these movements and they give us language uh for some of these some of these parts of worship and i think if we had some good songs for some of these movements of worship it really help us you know there are some churches where they really they're engaging with god when the music's on and as soon as the music goes off it's almost like people switch off mm. uh and so for me one of the helpful things is rather than say right let's put the guitars away and and pray actually let's keep the guitars but let's sing a song that leads people into intercession for the world for example yeah um and so in free churches if we had some of these songs maybe we don't use liturgy or spoken prayers like this but it might help us to to use some of them in a kind of almost back doorway because we're singing these things uh and if you are in a liturgical church an anglican church or another another church that uses this stuff maybe it can breathe life into something that has become a bit habitual a little bit stale um by having some some new musical forms in which to do it so um what are some of these uh things that we can do i'm just going to want to give you some examples of of different sort of liturgical prayers and how those have been set in music by different people in kind of contemporary forms uh one would be what joel was mentioning before is this idea of prayers for gathering so things that draw us in that say you know this is the beginning of something it's it's also the continuation of what we've been doing in our in our lives but it's you know there's something different about when we gather together so uh an example of that from the church of england would be the what's called the colic for purity uh almighty god to whom all hearts are open all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden um and that that line from whom no secrets are hidden there's one of my songs um that uses that line and also there's um there's a matt redmond song uh, to you all hearts are open mm. nothing here is hidden so matt's picked up on on that collect uh for his song um it's also andy piercy um and dave clifton when they were at uh, holy trinity brompton back in the 80s and 90s they um they worked on setting i think the whole of the anglican communion service in sort of contemporary music so they wrote this song um which is a a literal setting of the collect for purity uh, that we used to use um, in the church um, I was in in London. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, from whom no secrets are hidden. So what they're doing there is they're taking a prayer and exactly uh, setting the words to music. And that's one of the things that um people listening to this might want to might want to have a go in is is to take a prayer and to without changing the words literally just set it to music so that people can sing the exact prayer that's mm. in the prayer book that's hard isn't it to take a prayer and set it to music because it's not written for music you can quickly end up meandering all over the place to fit lines in yes that's true and so it's it's a challenge but there's, I think there's benefits to it as well. One is if you are a church that's, you know, very strong about using a particular prayer book or a particular prayer, um, people can be a bit averse to having lines change. You know, these are things that have possibly, you know, stood the test of time, been used for hundreds of years, been through committees, been through, um, you know, church agreements. And so to just tweak them around here, and sometimes people will be, 
you know uh, against that so there's there is a value to selling it directly yeah uh, but as you say it's it's quite a challenge and if you look at what the the sort of the, the great classical composers and so on that you know so many of them cut their teeth on setting liturgy to music yeah. and very often they're really happy to repeat lines several yeah. times and that's one of the ways you can build a certain structure isn't it that you even yeah. though you stick exactly to what it says you don't need to be shy of repeating bits in it i think yeah absolutely so that's one thing is kind of gathering type prayers uh, another thing would be uh intercession so praying for the world one of the uh ways people have done that is to use the phrase lord have mercy um kyrie eleison mm. um and you can see that in in quite a lot of songs geraldine's song lord you hear the cry lord have mercy on us lord have mercy on us mm. um is is one way to is one way to to kind of pray for the world and you might find other uh, prayers or collects that help us to kind of pray for the world or or maybe you could um kind of play with the form so something i've done is use short songs um and play like there's a, a particular kyrie we so- sing from ghana kyrie eleison. Uh, and you might leave some space or um space for people to pray them like a leader to pray out or for the congregation to pray out or just for kind of silent prayer and then sing that again so maybe one of the ways you could approach this is to just have a short phrase kind of set liturgical phrase that you set to music and then you allow space in between for people to pray in different yeah. ways um there's when i talk about the kyrie that fits into what's called the five ordinary hymns of the mass i don't know if oh well that sounds like an album title if ever (laughs) (laughs) well this is something people have often done is there's basically within the kind of classical uh, mass which is the um catholic uh, communion service there's these five what's called the ordinary hymns and they're like the things that are normally sung yeah so there's the kyrie eleison which means lord have mercy um, and interestingly, almost all of these are directly from the Bible. So if you're, you know, concerned about where these are coming from, they're pretty much all coming from Scripture. So Lord have mercy. That's the the, the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Yeah. Where the guy says, you know, um, one guy is, is, is boasting and then the other just, you know, comes with his head bowed down and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. Um, so that's that's, you know, uh, where that comes from. The Gloria. Uh, is based on the song of the angels to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. Uh, the creed is obviously, if you use something like the Apostles' Creed, that's not from the Bible, but that's from the very early church mm. setting out, well, let's summarise what the Bible actually, um, you know, teaches. And an, an interesting um, contemporary example of that would be the hill song, Our Father, mm. um, which we, I suspect we'll probably talk about in a future podcast yeah. because it's quickly becoming a, a, a classic yeah um again that's one where they've changed the words a bit to make it fit a song structure and there might be some discussion around how they've changed it and whether it you know exactly expresses what the apostles creed expresses but it's a really good example of something which has taken um a classic kind of piece of liturgy of the church and has you know really made it accessible for a huge amount of people um so yeah that's creed um then there's the sanctus which is the holy 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 taken from revelation um and a great example of this is on the resound website um kira metcalf uh wrote one um it's you can look at it it's called holy 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 maybe maybe joe we could play a bit of that into yeah, this we'll, we'll... We'll slip a little clip in uh, here. In post-production, so you can have a little listen. So this is, again, is an example of where Kieran has taken the words 
um, without changing them at all and set them to music. And I love the the, the musical setting of this. It's got a real awe and a reverence to it. It's not kind of... Some, you know, sometimes when people sing holy, it sounds like they're singing nice because the music is so kind of... <laughs> yeah. Holy. It doesn't really suggest holiness to me, whereas Kieran's kind of moves towards that sense of real awe and wonder. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of power and might Heaven and earth are filled with your glory remember when we released that song we got an email from a lady and, uh, who said uh i've just listened to your new song kieran's nicked the words from <laughs> so and so who'd written a song in the 70s it's so, a complete rip-off it's exactly the same words so funny it's like well actually probably rip them off the angels in heaven yeah <laughs> but so yeah you know. this is but this is a fantastic thing if you're you know if you struggle with words or if you're tempted to steal other people's lyrics you know just steal them direct, yeah, directly yeah, out of the prayer book or directly out of the bible um, and the last of the five ordinary hymns is the Arnius Day. So that's the Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm. Um, and again, Judy Gresham has written a song uh, about the Lamb. You can you yeah. can see on on the Resound site, but you also might want to take the, that prayer literally, uh, or you might want to take some of the themes of that and write your own little Arnius Day. And people will be very impressed if you use the phrase Arnius Day because uh, it sounds quite posh. Uh, so a few others that you might want to consider. The Lord's Prayer uh, is a, is a, a yeah. you know a piece of worship that a lot of the church has really kind of forgotten about. And I would be um, a little bit afraid of doing a um, you know a bit of research and finding out how many children and teenagers in churches actually know the Lord's Prayer by heart. And one brilliant way of setting these uh, songs to, to heart and to memory is to use music. Yeah. Um, so we've got the. Our Father in Heaven, which I think is an IHOP song. A what, um, a what song? International House of Prayer. IHOP. Yeah, IHOP. Or International sense. House of Pancakes. I don't know if they write worship songs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's lots of others. And you could write your own. Have a go at writing your Lord's Prayer. Again, are you going to contemporise it or are you going to do it exactly? I can certainly see arguments both ways. Um, and then there's um, there's a bunch of what's called memorial acclamations which are used in in, um, uh, uh, in liturgical uh, services around communion. And one that I really like is the, um, the one that begins, uh, Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Mm. And so I use that uh, as a kind of jumping off point for one of my songs called We Believe. And I use the Christ has died for verse one and wrote a little verse about Christ dying on the cross. Uh, verse two was Christ is risen, written about the, the 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 resurrection, and Christ. Uh, verse three was Christ will come again, and then the chorus is just simply singing uh, that that refrain: Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ has come again. So if you're interested in that, you can look at that on the uh, the website as well. It's called We Believe. Christ is risen, Christ will come again. 
again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. So that's some great ideas, Sam. And um, I guess a couple of things we want to think about is we've already talked about this idea that you kind of need to choose are you going to set it exactly or are you going to paraphrase it and yeah. come up with your own kind of version and i think i don't know what you think sam but i think you need to pick one or the other and stick to it and, yeah. and if you are going to do a slightly paraphrased thing it's quite good to paraphrase it from the outset rather than do a couple of lines and then kind of wander off because you couldn't make the other rest fit mm. um, so that it but so it does that function and, and certainly the thing that matt and i are trying to do with our little project is we are by and large kind of paraphrasing, but we're trying to stick to the content, essentially what it is there, rather than be completely, you know, just go off and write our own thing that we think might fit there. So there's a couple of ways you could approach I suppose one way is that you say, you know, I will just take it as inspiration and a, as a departure point. Or you could say, I'm, I'm going to kind of try and say the same thing as the almighty God to whom all hearts are open, but I'm going to put the same content in my own words and, and turn it into a song. Um and I would say part of that decision is knowing your congregation and your yeah. your church leadership. So if they're the kind of people that would want it set, lit- you know exactly, then you need to probably follow that. Whereas if your church would be more flexible, or actually wouldn't, you know, even know a bit of liturgy if it bit them on the nose, uh, then you might feel completely free to to paraphrase. And I guess there's also this thing about you know, do you want people to learn this particular prayer by heart? So if you're wanting to teach people the Lord's Prayer exactly then don't paraphrase it but if you feel actually my people already know the lord's prayer what they need is to go deeper into actually what it means for their everyday lives then a paraphrase of the lord's prayer actually might be far more appropriate Mm. and it's an opportunity as a local church songwriter to write something that could be really significant for your local church because if you can get one of these things which plays a liturgical role and when we say a liturgical role we recognize that you know you might be in a vineyard church that says we don't have liturgy but you do because you have a standard service structure that you follow yeah and certain things will play a role in that yeah um and if you can write something that plays that role which has been so carefully worked out by liturgists Mm. over the years that could be such a valuable contribution to your church's worship because you could sing it you'd sing it loads i remember we had a song um, that we used to sing in a particular church I was at and it was um, for when a child had been baptised or dedicated and then they kind of walked around the church kind of, do you ever do this? Like showing yeah, everyone the baby? Parade. Yeah. yeah, and we had a song that we sang whilst the baby was going around and it wasn't a particularly good song but we probably used it, you know, five, six times a year <laughs> yeah. because this was happening quite regularly and so actually, you know, e- even if... You have a very mercenary thinking of, oh, I wish my songs were used more. Well, if you write into a particular part of your church's worship journey, you may find that song gets used simply because it's needed in that yeah. place. It's about writing something useful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, not just writing a song for a song's sake, but actually looking yeah. at your community and saying, what does my community need to sing? And that might be one of the things. Yeah. So in terms of finding this stuff, we've mentioned a bunch of things, but if people are kind of not knowing where to start... Um, I would suggest the Church of England's website is a really good. If you uh, look on there, they've got all of their liturgy um, that you can look up online. You can download it um, as a um, as a PDF, and so you can get you know all of those prayers from the Church of England website. Uh, you might also be able to pick up a prayer book from your own um, 
church or maybe go to you know a Christian bookshop or or get a prayer book online. Things like um, Celtic liturgies can work really well. Something mm. like the Northumbria community or the Iona community. Uh, a little bit different. Often, you know, they've got that kind of Celtic feel, but often they've been written in the last you know fifty years or so. So they they maybe say something a little bit differently. It's maybe worth just making a point about copyright that um, some of these prayers are copyright. And I guess if you just want to sing those words in your church and put some music to them, fine. And yeah. if you want to um, be inspired by those words and write something, fine. Mm. But actually, if you want to write something using exactly those words and then put it out there for the rest of the world... Um, it's just maybe slightly more complicated in terms of copyright. So obviously, if it's just a you know, if it's a passage from the Bible. It's very difficult to pin down, or it's an ancient thing. But if it's one of the sort of more modern ones from common worship or something, yeah, um, I don't know exactly what the rules are, but it's just worth yeah. cautioning that before you go and make your millions, and then the Archbishop <laughs> of Canterbury comes knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing I would I would just encourage people to to think is what what do you um what do you want people to be doing during that time of of worship? So you know think about the mood think about the the posture so the example of when the child is being shown around you know don't write something in a minor key with a you know eight minute guitar solo for showing the baby around that the church. sounds wants... like a baby crying <laughs> <laughs> you know you you want something Sorry. that is welcoming and upbeat and joyful um similarly if you're writing a song into the context of prayer and intercession uh you might want to as i said before give some space within your song for people to actually pray um, or, you know, write a song that's so flexible that actually the words can be changed. Um, so, Lord, you see our, you know, and then that word can perhaps be, Lord, you see our brokenness, Lord, you see our pain, Lord, you... things like that. Actually think about what am I, what do I want people to be doing and what kind of mood do I want to create? Um, and then that will help to to shape the kind of structure of the music and the structure of the song and how, what kind of chords you give it, that, all of that kind of thing can can really can really be shaped by what you want people to be doing and thinking at that time. That is brilliant. Thank you, Sam. So that's our 12th song challenge for September. Liturgy songs. Um, go and find a prayer book. Have a look online. Be inspired. Post them on our forum. Get involved with one another. Um, Sam, you and I, we're going to put something on, aren't we? We're going to write yes. something this month. We're going to get stuck in. We'll come and back comment on your songs. Back in the saddle, that's right. Um, and uh, really look forward to hearing what you come up with. Well, that's nearly the end of the podcast for this month. And uh, Sam, while you were talking earlier, even though I was paying attention, I was also browsing on Facebook. And, and I've just seen, were, yeah, I've just seen that Geraldine and uh, Carrie Loose Music have posted some photos. So they just have been recording a new album. Oh. Um, they're using some of some of the songs they've written with Resound, and there's some lovely photos there of them. They went away for a week with the um, with the guys they're recording with. Did some you know practice the songs, laid down some tracks. And they did a concert at the end of the week, and some really nice pictures there from the concert. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that because mm. um, they will be their own interpretations of the songs they've written with Resounds. They'll be different to the versions that we've put out. Um, yeah, that sounds but great. no doubt they will be very good. 
Well, all that remains is for me to introduce our featured song, and this time it is May the Lord Bless You by a certain Sam Hargreaves. So this is exactly what we've been talking about. It's a song that takes a bit of the liturgy, the Aaronic Blessing, uh, as it's known, and sets it to music. And there's actually um, a video version on the Engage website, isn't there, Sam, that people can write as well? Uh, so that's what we're going to play out with uh, in the meantime do get in touch with your questions and comments via facebook.com slash on twitter at resoundworship or email us on podcast at resoundworship.org until next time bye 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 may the lord bless down on you and show you grace. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord turn His face Oh